Good morning. I'm Anna Marie. It's time again for Focus. Today, we're talking with Dr. Gil Wright, the Director of Health at the Metro Public Health Department, and we're talking about flu and the flu season and other illnesses that may be going around this time of year. First of all, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, let's start, first of all, with how early in the season we start seeing the flu and wintertime type illnesses. Right. So flu season typically starts uh, as early as mid-September. Oh, I didn't know. It, and that's usually more north and can go as late as April. Um, for us here, it's typically mid-October to uh, mid-February, March. Mm-hmm. The typical flu yes. and winter illness season. Right. Now, you said... It seems to start earlier up north. They're enclosed. They're inside a lot of times. So, you know, that indoors piece is important because you get more exposure. Yeah. Um, And so that uh, seems to be part of it. So the kids go off to school. They're inside. They bring the stuff home. You're inside with the kids. And it goes. Are children uh, one of the major transmitters of illnesses in the wintertime? What are children not the major transmitter of? (laughs) They, they, th- yes. I mean, I know. It, it's going back and forth to school. They're around a lot of other so many kids. People. You know, they may or may not have been infected before. They're more likely to bring it home. But mm-hmm. your your adults are likely to get it also, depending on the workplace and yeah. other things. If they're enclosed with other people that have it, so. I think if we sat in a room with thirty other adults every day at our little desks. So, what about this year's flu season? Does it look like it might be lighter or heavier? What about la- was last year's yeah. lighter because we were masked up? And then what about this year? Yeah. So last year we didn't see a very bad flu season and it probably because we were doing all the precautions for COVID, wearing our masks, washing our hands, staying distance. All of those things also work on any other aerosolized uh, vaccine or virus. Mm-hmm. So flu being one of those. So staying apart, doing all those things is help was helpful last year. Uh, We have seen some cases. uh, There's a a small outbreak in Knoxville of the flu at at the university. Uh, So we are seeing some early cases. Mm -hmm. It's hard to know yet how bad it's going to be. Mm -hmm. Do you tend to go, well, if we have cases as early as such and such, it possibly could be a more severe flu season? Or is that just not really dependable? It's it is. Sometimes a precursor for what will come, but it always it it doesn't always correlate. Okay, gotcha. Will you tell people your background a little bit so they'll know who's speaking when I'm asking you these medical questions? So I am a family physician by training, uh, board certified in family medicine, and I've been uh, occupational medicine and uh, have been at the health department now for about four and a half years. Mm -hmm. have taken care of a lot of these cases over the years. Yes. And so when we're talking about the flu, people think that it's just the cold, the runny nose and that type of thing that they, they get every winter. And a lot of times... They will get their flu vaccine and then get just the cold and think that they've gotten the flu because of it. Mm-hmm. You can't get the flu vaccines uh, a dead virus, so it can't you can't get it from the vaccine. You have people who are going around and saying every year after I get the vaccine, I get the flu. Is it possible to still get the flu right after you get the vaccine? It is. It takes about two weeks from when you get the vaccine to get a full immunity. Now, you may have partial immunity because of prior vaccines. Mm-hmm. It depends on the type of uh, flu virus that is we're seeing each year. Oh. So this this year and pretty much always there's three or four variants that are in the flu vaccine uh, and they're what we expect to be the virus strains mm-hmm. that we are infected with this year. But that isn't always 
hit. So sometimes there's a strain that we didn't get into the vaccine or something else. Yeah. And then we'll see that a lot of times will lead to a lot more uh, severe season because we didn't quite get things correct. We have to project out because it takes a long time to make the vaccine. Exactly. And it is possible that you're exposed to someone who has the flu. You get your flu vaccine, and then yours goes ahead and develops. Right, absolutely. You, if if you're exposed, it it only takes a few days from exposure to when you develop symptoms, mm-hmm. and it takes two weeks from the vaccine to be immune. So if you're exposed right before, or right after you got the vaccine, yeah. yes, you could get the flu, but it is not from the vaccine. Not from the vaccine. And you know, when we talk about flu, we're really talking about a very uh, fevers, chills. A cough, a deep cough. Um, Some people have a very productive cough with it. Um, Muscle aches, um, all of those types of more severe than than the runny nose and just watery eyes cough uh, that we'll see with uh, mild upper respiratory uh, cold symptoms. Yeah, and it seems like uh, from past experiences and past experiences with friends that the body aches. And the chills seem to be those that th- just take them out. They're like, yeah. I felt like I was hit by a truck. And, and they do typically. The other thing is, is a lot of them are very tired. It oh, yeah. just makes them really worn out. Um, so that's another symptom that frequently occurs. And so if I feel like possibly I was exposed to someone who has the flu, they're like, oh, by the way, I'm sick. I have ha- I've experienced that before. I'll see someone and they go, Anna, and they hug me and then they go, oh, by the way, I think I'm coming down with the flu. They've literally done that. So how how long before I know whether I've really contracted it? Usually just a few days. Like but three but days Right. Three, two, three, four days, as quick as that. There is something you can do. Um, if you go and see the doctor, if you know they've really, truly got the flu and they've been tested mm-hmm. or you're starting to feel sick and you get tested and you are developing the flu, there are oral medications that may reduce the symptoms. And so seeing your doctor right away, if you really think you do have influenza, Mm -hmm. then that's important because that will allow you to get something to reduce the symptoms. What is it that reduces the symptoms? How can that be possible? What is it doing? It, it It prevents the virus from replicating. Oh, so you have it. You have it, it, but it can't can't go crazy. So it makes the symptoms milder. Wow. What are the other illnesses that are going around? Seems like uh, some upper respiratory stuff. Yeah. So there's always upper respiratory when we get into the, you know, the cough, the cold, just mild viral symptoms. Mm -hmm. There is uh, RSV. um, That's typically seen in younger children, but it can be seen in adults. Mm -hmm. It's another virus, causes some of the same types of upper respiratory stuff, the cough and cold. In, In small children, it can cause a more severe pneumonia. Uh, and in immune-compromised patients, so people that are on steroids or, or chemotherapy, potentially, it can be more severe in them. And how do you know if someone has RSV? That is also tested. You can, tested. yeah, we can do an, a test, uh, like much like a COVID test. It's a nasal test that, uh, or oral test that they can send and, and the results back on. How do we know when it's time to go get tested and figure out what's going on and get treated? Right. I think if you know that you've been exposed to somebody with influenza and that you're starting to have some of the same symptoms, then that would be a, a definitely a good time to go and get uh, seen right away. Known exposure and some symptoms. Okay. Right. If you start running high fevers, and especially if they are lasting more than a day or two, 
definitely another reason to at least check in with your doctor. They may or may not want to see you depending on how bad you are mm-hmm. um, because they don't want to expose themselves or other people in the office, but they will want to assess, are you sick enough that we really do need to see you? Mm-hmm. And what do you consider a high fever? I, I think a fever is considered 100.5 or above. Okay. So a high fever in an adult would be 101 to 100, uh, 101 and a half to 102. And if it's running in that range for a couple of days, then definitely. If it just lasts a day, then it's probably one of the milder viruses and it just needs to run its course. What about the old advice, doctor, the starve a fever, feed a cold, all of that stuff? Should we, if we have a fever and we're feeling pretty lousy, should we take something or should we let the fever run its course and do all that stuff? There's very mixed results on what, which is better. So um, I think that you want to be comfortable enough that you can rest. I think resting is one of the most important things. Uh, so, you know, some Tylenol is a, is a good choice. Be sure and follow the directions uh, so that you don't take too much. Don't, don't think that if it says two, that three is better because Tylenol can be toxic to the liver. So we want to follow that. You could also use some ibuprofen. Both of those will reduce fever and muscle aches. You could take one and then the other and alternate every time. I can't remember how often the right. directions say, like four to six hours or right. something. So it, uh, ibuprofen is six to eight hours apart. Mm-hmm. So you could take it. Four hours later, take your Tylenol. Four hours later, you'd be back on your ibuprofen. So you could alternate between the two. Ah, why alternate? What's the difference? Well, you just get some additional benefit from the ex- from, and, and you're not then overdosing or getting too much Tylenol or too much ibuprofen. Mm-hmm. And uh, that they are, in some ways, they are additive. They do help in some ways together. Okay, because they both kind of do different things. Ibuprofen yeah. is what an it's an anti-inflammatory. Okay, where the Tylenol is just an antipyretic or an anti-fever medication. Mostly. Oh, okay. Now Good ibuprofen also has some effect on fever. And then you said rest probably is the most important right. thing you can do when you're right. sick. I think another big thing is is if you start to feel short of breath, coughing uh, that's not stopping, you 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 aren't sleeping well, you aren't eating well, uh, you know, and feel like you're getting dehydrated because. You, you know, you're coughing so much you can't keep stuff down or, yeah. or can't get stuff in. Those would be other reasons to check in with a doctor. Oh. And then the other thing, I mean, obviously we're in the COVID era. COVID and the flu together are not just one plus one. They're a multipli- multiplicity, so they cause more severe when they're together. Oh, wow. So it is important to get your flu shot, COVID shot if you haven't had it, but the flu shot and, and get it early. Um, I usually get mine first of October. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's good for usually about six months. Now, you could get it as early as the pharmacies usually have it as early as September, mm-hmm. but you may want to get a second shot February or March mm-hmm. to get you through the whole season. I didn't know you could even do that. Yeah, you can. Oh, my gosh. So if you get an early flu shot, get a, a second one You can a, after the first of the year. You can mm-hmm. get a second one. Because I have a, my, a husband and uh, his son who both are – at high, higher risk. Sure. He's got high blood pressure and the, the son has some health issues. And we always try and get our flu shots early, but I didn't know about the fact that we could give them a little kind of a little booster. Yeah. And it's, it's about, you, they generally last about six months. So mm-hmm. if you get it in September, then that means you're running out kind of at the tail end uh, of the flu season. And mm-hmm. if it's a little bit bad, boosting that it may be a, a good thing to do. And we we would do that a lot of times with those that are at high risk. So 
people with underlying medical problems like high blood pressure, Mm -hmm. asthma, diabetes, children under two and adults over 65 are at risk also, at more risk also, um, as are pregnant women. And uh, even up to about two weeks after they deliver. Really? Interestingly. So t- I'm writing this down. Under two and uh, over 65. Right. And pregnant women. Mm-hmm. Why are they more at risk? Pregnancy just increases the chance of getting, and, and when you're pregnant, especially later in the pregnancy, it compromises your breathing. Oh. And and so it's like having, kind of like having a, a non-chronic lung problem that you're not able to breathe as deep and all of that. Mm-hmm. So it makes it a little more... Uh, and that lasts for, we see it in the studies up to a couple of weeks after they've delivered. Even. Mm-hmm. So just and as w- their body recovers. And I would imagine that little, the little baby's just sucking all the good stuff out of the, <laughs> the mom. They do take a lot of the nutrients. <laughs> okay. So, uh, what about the pneumonia vaccine? Right. My question was, if you, if you get COVID and you've had the pneumonia vaccine, is that a possible help? Um, it, it may possibly help. Um, pneumonia is yet another virus that virus bacteria is that can cause that. And oh. so the vaccines to prevent that again, it's for certain people a little more restricted than the flu shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely older population, people that are at risk for other reasons. Uh, and that would be one that I would just tell people that if they're unsure, ask their doctor if they should get and there are several different vaccines. Um, I actually, because of my age and, and such, I've actually had two different vaccines so that I catch all of the different strains. Yes. Uh, and that's frequently what's done. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, so you said the pneumonia vaccine is a, for a virus. So it, if you were to get pneumonia because of COVID, it's not it, a yeah, virus. It's, it's, it's just a, COVID's virus, but it's it, it's completely different. So it's not going to help with the COVID pneumonia. Yeah, yeah. That's due to the virus, the COVID virus itself, breaking causing down the the your, problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's good to know because I was curious about that. Now I was wondering if there's a flu. A, I was wondering if there's a pneumonia vaccine. Why we didn't take that. To prevent the, what do you call it, the COVID, COVID pneumonia. pneumonia. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, if you're just joining us, this knowledgeable man is Dr. Gil Wright. He's the director of health with the Metro Public Health Department. We're talking about the cold and flu season and the COVID season. And is there a COVID season? Is it more prevalent? You know, it's really hard to tell. It's too early and, mm-hmm. and to really know. But we did have a spike last year about this time through early January. Uh, and that actually... Early January last year was our highest levels we had, but we had a spike again with Delta here in the last few months. Mm -hmm. Um, We're seeing a little bit of a raise right now, and I think that's because of Thanksgiving. We're about Mm -hmm. a couple weeks from Thanksgiving, and that would be expected to see a little rise. So we are seeing a rise here in the community, and I think more people were out and, and did a little more at Thanksgiving than, mm-hmm. than last year. And they seem to be planning to do more over the holidays right. because people feel safer. They've had their uh, vaccines and boosters and things like that. So I noticed they tend to be a little more confident about getting together with groups. Right. Always that, that getting together with groups, even if they're vaccinated, you know, no vaccines, 100 percent. There's a, a small chance if you look at for instance, on COVID, it's 90, some of them are 90 plus percent, mm-hmm. but that still means one in 10 is going to get COVID at some point. Mm-hmm. Now, the 
the vaccine does a pretty good job of doing what it's supposed to, which is if you do get it, it's mild and you don't end up hospitalized, you don't end up on a ventilator, you don't end up dying. Yeah. So that's really where it's, it's aimed. But it keeps a large percentage from even getting it. And then they also, because they don't get it, they don't transmit it. If someone gets COVID and they don't have symptoms, can they still spread it? Yes. If, you've got, if you're actually infected and you are positive for COVID, whether you have symptoms or not, you can spread it. And so that's been always a concern for us. Yeah. So how can we tell? Is there any way to tell? Well, testing is the only way. And so that's why when we're when we were doing contact tracing and when we do that and we talk to somebody that we know is positive and we talk with the people that were exposed, mm-hmm. then we would tell them at this point, go get tested in about three to five days. Oh, particularly if you're already vaccinated. Go ahead and get tested in three to five days because that's about the time that we're going to see you change from, po- from negative to positive, and you may not have symptoms yet. You may get symptoms in a couple days, but you may be already positive, and it also helps pick up those that aren't even, in, uh, even having any symptoms. Yes. Okay. Well, that's good to know. And you said three to five days. What about the rapid testing? I hear a lot of talk about rapid tests these days. There's a number of different tests. There's antigen tests, which are usually used for rapid. There's PCR tests, and they can be a rapid PCR or a routine lab, go to the lab and, and such. The gold standard or the best test is a PCR test because it actually looks at for the virus particles specifically. The antigen tests are testing to see if you're starting to develop antigens to the infection, which mm-hmm. are very early things that help us fight off the infection. Problem is, is that you can have a little more cross-reactivity with other viruses and stuff. So the sensitivity specificity, which means how many people are falsely positive, take the test, don't really have it, but are positive, or how many people take the test and are, have it, but are negative, so false, mm-hmm. falsely negative, how much they have that is a little higher with that test. It's a good test, though, to start because it's very quick and easy to do. You can do them at home. Mm-hmm. Um, you, it's like a, almost like a pregnancy test. It's very, you know, just collect a little bit, put it in, collect from your nose, put it in your, put it in your uh, you know, fluid, and then mm-hmm. you put that in and you just wait for a positive or negative. I appreciate the fact that you said collect a little bit uh, and then you added from your nose because after you said a pregnancy test, I yeah, know no, people were thinking, no, wait a minute. No. <laughs> The, yeah, so it's from your nose, not not urine. Uh, it can be done very quickly. And then if it's positive, mm-hmm. you would assume that you have, but I would follow that up with a PCR test. Yes. Now, if you're having a lot of symptoms that you and you've been exposed to somebody oh. and you do a rapid test and it's negative, I might go get a PCR and assume that I might. Yes. Um, because like I say, they're not 100%. The PCRs are 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 mm-hmm. very close to hundred percent. So you take a test, you, you it tests positive for COVID, and you start having symptoms. Again, are the points where you need to go to a doctor or an emergency room the fever, the high fever for a couple of days in a row, or is that to be expected? Well, you may or may not have a fever. Uh, COVID actually surprisingly only uh, less than half are getting high fevers. Oh wow! They may be getting a lot of aches and cough. The big thing for that is, is if you're having a lot of deep coughing, you seem to be very short of breath. You uh-huh. know, you're doing things that you normally do. Walk up the stairs at night and you can't hardly get there. You're just completely out of breath. But normally that wouldn't be the case. Oh, The COVID pneumonia is a little unusual in that people don't 
at rest just don't feel as short of breath as they might with other types of illnesses. And mm-hmm. so that's one thing. Um, if you've got chronic medical medical conditions, especially lung conditions, you may want to have what's called a pulse ox. You can buy them at the pharmacies or on Amazon. They're less than thirty dollars, mm-hmm. and they just go on your finger and you. When you go to the doctor's office, they put them on and they look at that and say, oh, your oxygen level's this. Well, you could do that at home, and we've had people that were doing that during the severe times prior to having the vaccine. Not seeing it as much with people because they feel safer now. Oh, yeah, true. But So that'll show you... What your oxygen is. And what is the danger zone? First of all, you have to start with what your normal is. Oh. Because somebody may have already some uh, COPD mm-hmm. where they don't have good lung function and they may be running 90-92. That might be normal for yes. them. But if they get much below that, then for them it's a big thing. Normally, if you're below 93, I would be concerned for a normal mm-hmm. person. Okay, that's good to know. And, and, and they're frequently running in the 80s, mid-80s with people with this. With this. And so what does COVID basically do to your body? It affects your lungs or? It affects I, a lot of things. I wish they could have seen your face. You were like, here we go. <laughs> well, it, it can affect everything from increased clotting. So we've seen people lose fingers, toes, arms, legs because of blood clots. Um, it, it, it can cause clotting in the, the blood vessels of the lungs so that you end up with uh, almost a Swiss cheese or Certain areas just aren't getting any blood flow, so they can't you can't pick up any oxygen. Oh, um, so that's one of the things. That's but the most things we think about are the lung-based things, which is they cause it causes a pneumonia, which is inflammation in the lungs. They produce what's called an exudate, a, a fluid, because they're inflamed and irritated. Kind of like if you scratched your, you know, got a cut on your arm. There's always that clear fluid. Yes. That that kind of thing, only that's in your lungs. And then for whatever with this particular virus, a lot of times that becomes almost jello-like. Whoa. So it, it can completely shut down the, the airways where mm-hmm. there's nothing to move in the very severe cases. Oh, my goodness. So it's it we might primarily think of it as being lung-based. A lot of shortness of breath, a lot of coughing, obviously, with it. Because your lungs are trying to clear that stuff trying out. Trying to get all that stuff out, and that's where it's affecting. Does that seem to be the cause of COVID deaths? Is it usually a lung issue? It's usually a lung issue or what's called multi-organ failure because it's just the body's so overwhelmed. You know, your kidneys shut down, your your lungs are shutting down, so, so everything part, just kind of quit. It's partly because you're of the oxygen again, though. Yeah, you can't get it's the, because of the oxygen. Wow, that's part. a scary situation. Most Absolutely. people are have been kind of scared for about two and a half years now. Right. So what are we looking at for this upcoming season? Are those, all the protocols that we put into place and the hand washing and the, you know, the gels and the masks and all of that is, does that look like it's going to help us this coming season? It, it, it is a great, mit- mit- what we call a mitigation strategy, something to prevent. Um, and that's why we started with it early is because that's until we had a vaccine, that's the only things we could do. Yeah. But that works pretty well for almost any air-transmitted virus. Yeah. And so this is one of those. So um, staying apart, that's why outdoors, the air exchange is better. The, the particles don't sit around. Um, all of those things do really help. I'm not sure what's going to happen with this because we're not sure about Omicron, which has just shown up, mm-hmm. uh, and what that really means. We're just starting to get some information about it. You know, it looks like it may be, it's, it's probably more infectious than Delta, 
The question now is, as we're trying to figure out, is it the same level of severity, meaning does it make you just as sick, or is it less severe? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's more severe. So is Delta, was what was Delta? Was it so very with, severe? It was, it, was, it was severe. I mean, we saw that's the last wave we saw. And part of that was it's just so transmittable. Oh. So if you get it transmitted, there's more people exposed, so numbers go up. We at the health department keep statistics on the percent of people that have and actually die of the disease here in Davidson County. Mm-hmm. And that really hasn't changed from the beginning with any of these variants. Oh, really? It's staying about the same. Okay. And the reason it's more transmittable, I believe I read, was because it replicates faster in your head and your nasal passages and your respiratory that, upper. That's part of it. And it may stick better to the receptors. Oh, goodness so, gracious. Yeah. Hopefully the flu season will be a light one if we continue to use the protocol. Right. If not, we might see, would we see a spike in cases? Might people be more susceptible since we've been guarding ourselves? Because some people are like, well, you need to get the, these illnesses and get them out of the way to keep your immune system strong. Is that right? Uh, it, it isn't right because getting the vaccine also boosts your immune system. So that, for me... Personally, I'd rather not suffer through 10 days lying in bed, being muscle aches, fever, cough, just feeling horrible like yeah. I'd been hit by a truck, as you described earlier, mm-hmm. um, and, and doing that for about 10 days. I'd rather get a, a, a vaccine. I might be sore in the spot where I got it for a day or two, yeah. uh, but that's minor. And, yes. and so that's I'd much rather have that than the actual illness. And I get the same type of uh, immunity. Good. That's good to know. Uh, If you're just joining us, this is Focus. I'm Anna Marie, and our guest is Dr. Gil Wright, Director of Health at the Metro Public Health Department. Do we know why some people get a little stronger reaction from vaccines than others? Do we have any idea why? Everybody's a little different in how well their immune system responds and how it responds. And so that's what happens is the immune system's recognizing that as being foreign. And Mm -hmm. for them, for whatever reason, they uh, have a more robust response. Mm-hmm. Now, traditionally, we know that a, older adults don't have quite as strong a response. Yeah. So that's why the flu shot for 65 and older is a concentrated. So they actually get it more viral particles or dead virus, viral particles so that they respond more and, and get a better response. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Um I'm, now you have me thinking because my husband is a little older mm-hmm. and he was like, oh, my arm is so sore. And I'm like, oh, I'm fine. So that is possibly why maybe he got a bigger dose. Yeah, it is possibly why. It could Aww. be just that he responds differently than you do. <laughs> could be he's the baby. No. Yeah. Why is it important to get a flu shot every year? So it's important to get a flu shot. It, it's like I would liken it to having fire insurance. Well, if you have a fire in the year you don't have insurance, you, you have a fire and you've got no coverage. Right. If you don't get vaccinated in a particular year, you're just running the risk that you're going to get the flu, that you're going to have all of those symptoms. And there is a small percentage of people that die of the flu every year. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to be in that situation. Sure. And it keeps us boosted so our immunity is, is better in case we're exposed to flu out of season. You know, our flu season is different than... Uh, the Far East than South America potentially. So mm-hmm. you know, if you're tr- especially if you're traveling, you may be exposed to the flu at different times. Oh, right. Because of when their season is. Okay. 
speaking of seasons, when it gets warm and cold and warm and cold here in Tennessee, <laughs> does that make you more likely to get the flu? The the hot and cold or the, the old thing about don't don't get outside and be cold, you'll get, you know, sick or whatever, mm-hmm. really doesn't have any bearing on it. It's it's really more the cold drives you in where you're you're exposed more readily to and, and to higher concentrations. I'm so happy that you said that because I remember my mom telling me, don't go outside with your hair wet. You'll get sick. Absolutely. And then finally, the good news is if you feel like maybe you can't afford a flu shot because medicine is so expensive, people right. are struggling, uh, they need to know. Yeah. The health department is, uh, every year, Tennessee has a what they call fight flu TN, so fight flu for Tennessee, and that was uh, on November 9th this year. That day, the flu vaccine's free, and uh, we at the health department always uh, provide flu vaccine after that date for free. So they come to one of the health department clinics, they can get flu shot for free. So we're out of time for this program. I really appreciate you talking to sure. us and helping us uh, helping us hopefully stay healthy. Are there any final thoughts that you'd like to share? Any final words that you want to make sure that listeners know that I've neglected to ask about? I, I, I just reinforce with any of these viruses keep yourself safe by washing your hands staying apart masks now that we're kind of common and used used to them uh, especially if you're in an environment where you don't know other people and mm-hmm. and are going to be close together all right thank you for joining us thank you dr gil wright the director of health from the metro public health department if you need more information we've got the health department link and more info posted along with this interview make sure you join us again next week i'm anna marie and that's focus